sovereign God, we are humbled. We're humbled when we compare ourselves to how strong you are. We're humbled when we compare ourselves to how good you are, to how big you are, to how loving you are, to how gracious you are. Lord, you're everything that it seems like we can't be. But still you allow us into your presence. So connection, take a, take a few moments now as you spend some time with a gracious and loving God uh, in adoration. Tell him how good he is, how good he's been to you. God, we enter, like I said, into your presence, recognizing that our lives are totally dependent on you, that we, we're in desperate need of you working and moving in our lives. So again, Connection, why don't you spend a few moments uh, asking God, inviting him uh, to, to speak to us this morning, that your pre, uh, his presence will be uh, made really, really aware to you, that you'll be really aware of his presence. So God, let that be the echo that reverberates both around this room and in our hearts. That you're big, you're good, you're loving, and we are just desperate for you. Speak to us now. We recognize that you were here far before we were here. Um, But as an act of surrender, we recognize your presence in this space. We ask that you'll move, you'll work, you'll speak. We ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. I want to set the stage for our time together this month and uh, describe to you a little bit where we're headed and then invite you in on that journey together. Uh, For those who have been around enough, I heard some joking this morning that uh, if you're looking to, like, not engage or interact... Uh, we've well established that these have become very interactive services. These are very participatory. And so, uh, but fear not, the note cards are not going to be a, don't, don't worry, it's going to be a very low barrier of entry. But it is going to be a very, very participatory morning. Um, and so often we say yes to following Jesus 
and get centered on and how Jesus is working on our lives specifically, which is a good and holy and right thing, but I want us to continually zoom out and recognize that we belong to something far bigger than ourselves, and it's not just us that God is working with. God's working over here and over here, and it's, it's this whole mingling together, and it's a beautiful, holy thing, and so I want us to lean into that. But over the month of January, I kind of described last week uh, where we're headed just a little bit, and over the month of January, we are uh, spending some time as a church body, uh, as a faith family, saying, God, we recognize that you are existent in our lives today. We recognize that you're not a dormant God and that you're wanting to do something in us and you're wanting to do something through us. And we want to, as best we can, uh, lean into that and surrender ourselves to that fact that God is wanting to work and move and develop and form stuff within us and then uh, have us express our faith in him through the stuff that he does through us. Um, And so I just want us to focus in on that both individually and then corporately on, on how God is wanting to use us to uh, go about establishing his kingdom here in Vermilion County. And this journey is far bigger than just January. It's far bigger than just uh, this morning. Uh, It's far bigger than just my entrance here in July. It zooms out. uh, If you want to go back to um, two, three years ago, uh, Amanda and I started feeling this stirring. And it's, it's I feel like a call that's been put on my life of... um, uh, why I wake up in the morning. And that's to see God do new things in people's lives. That God isn't, uh, again, a dormant or silent or quiet God. He's actively forming and cultivating something deep inside of all of us. And uh, I'm going to preach out of Isaiah 43 this morning. Amanda and I have worn these, uh, these bracelets for that many years that say a new thing on them. And so today is in some ways uh, very much a continuation of a work of God that has been happening for a long time. Uh, and then in a lot of ways, it's a, it's a new thing. And so I want us to lean into that today. And here's why I think it's important for us to lean into that. Paul talks about in his letter to the church in Rome uh, about how all of creation is longing and waiting with eager expectation. What is creation longing for? It's waiting, I've talked about this a lot, for the restoration of all things. That the world is messy. It's broken. There's hurt. It's hard. Living is hard. And creation longs with eager expectation that one day God is going to make all things new. All things new. And so I think deep-seated down in each of us is this longing. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit, but I think it, I think it pairs really well with the longing that God's people, the Israelites, experienced in the, uh, in the Old Testament. That, that God had promised them something. I promised them, hey, you're gonna be, I'm going to be your God. You're going to be my people. I'm giving you this land so that you can carve out this kingdom existence here on earth to be my representative for the world to see, my goodness and my love and my mercy. But they, the, the, God's people weren't inhabiting that land. They weren't there because of covenant disobedience, because of unfaithfulness to God. Uh, and even though they had been unfaithful, and even though they'd been disobedient, God was still faithful. 
And so they're away from this promised land. And I imagine, uh, I don't know if any of you have ever watched The Chosen. I'm sure some of you have. Uh, but I love how they portray uh, the disciples specifically as Jewish people getting just enthralled with like the Messiah is here. And I love how they display it because they do such a good job of captivating this reality that like they had hinged their whole existence on this. That like, yeah, the world's a mess, but like he's the one. Jesus is the one that we've been waiting on. And there's all this whispering. Could it, is, is, is this it? Is this it? Is this what we've been waiting on? And again, obviously, it becomes that Jesus is the promised Messiah. He's the Savior of all the world. This is what we just celebrated in Advent. And so uh, they have this deep-seated longing for the promises of God to be fulfilled in their life. And they remember that promise, and they long, and they long so much that sometimes I imagine it hurts. That it hurts that, that they look around, they see the world that isn't as it should be, and they go, oh, God, just make it right. Just make it right. Move and work and orchestrate all this stuff. We just need you to move. And I'm sure that if we went around and pulled each person in this room, I'm sure you would confess and realize that at some point in your life you have longed for a move of God. That as you've looked around and you've said the world is not as it should be, whether that is uh, on a really global scale and you see wars and you see atrocities and you go, no, this isn't right. This isn't what God intended. Or you zoom in really personal and there's interpersonal conflict and there's stuff, or, or maybe it's this lack of rhythm in your life or whatever it is and you go, no, my life is not as it should be. God, fix this. It isn't right. And that longing just gets embedded in your soul. And you go, God, I don't know what to do. I just, I need you and I'm desperate for you. That you're longing so much that it hurts. That you're wanting more of God, more of his plan, more of his promises, more of his presence. We've all come face to face with that reality before. And so how then does, does God meet us? in the moments of deep desperation and deep longing. I think it's laid out really well for us in Isaiah 43. So if you've got your Bibles, Isaiah 43, we can start in verse 16, I think. <coughs> so again, keep in mind, this is Israel, in the midst of exile, in the midst of being a, a, a away from the promise of God, asking that God... Uh, we'll, we'll move. And here's what he says. This is what the Lord says. And it gives God a moniker here. He who made a way through the sea, a, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and horses, the army and the reinforcements together, and they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. And so when proclaiming, how God is going to fulfill that longing. This is how God introduces himself. This is what the Lord says. He who made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters. So he begins to recount God's resume. And he draws the listeners back to the Exodus narrative. 
And time and time again, as you look through the Old Testament, what we see is that God's people, the Israelites, are referred to or identified as the people who God had rescued from slavery in Egypt. And I imagine, as you see again in the Old Testament, how much this is referenced, I imagine it begins to become a central part of Israel's identity. That this is the story, there's, there's a few stories in our family that our boys love to hear. Every uh, birthday eve, so on February uh, 17th, but the, the night before Hudson's birthday, and on July 25th, the night before Miles' birthday, we sit down uh, after dinner and I tell the boys their birth story. And they are, I told you guys Miles was last week. They, they love to hear it. Uh, it's one of those stories that is just, they're not even particularly, particularly interesting. Uh, but they love to hear, um, and they're like, tell that one part about this. And Miles is like, tell me about how you wanted to finish your chicken before we went to the hospital. And they, did, they love to hear the stories of uh, of their birth. And I'm sure in your family, you have stories that are uh, central to who you are. Another, another story, my, my uh, uh, grandpa, Chapel, uh, passed away when I was roughly in seventh grade. And there's this iconic story in our family about how on, uh, not Christmas Eve, on Halloween one night, they lived out in the middle of nowhere. And so it was a small town of like 400 people. Um, they were all uh, trick-or-treating at each other's houses. And uh, grandma had taken the three kids out and um, Okay, I'll just make sure that wasn't me. Uh, grandma takes the three kids out, and uh, Grandpa, like, uh, you guys will never meet him, but like Grandpa Chapel would, was totally unprepared to receive trick-or-treaters. And so this was in the era where it was like, oh, there's probably some no-bake cookies in the um, freezer. And so he goes, and he digs around, first knock on the door, and he throws some no-bake cookies in the dark, and, um, and they go out and next one comes, throw some no-bake cookies in, because uh, again, this is the era that you throw cookies in, home, homemade things, not prepackaged stuff. They throw it in, and then uh, Grandma gets home, and she's digging around to start dinner, and she's like, uh, Robert, where are the meatballs? In the freezer, <laughs> he handed out meatballs to every treater that came to, and it's one of those iconic stories of like, this is a story, and it was, that, that perfectly sums up who my grandpa Chapel was. He was goofy and funny and kind and genuine, it was a part of his identity, uh, was this story, and I imagine, even though it's not funny, uh, a lot of the people of Israel, this is how they treated this story. This is a story that around the campfire of an evening, because there are nomadic people who are in exile. They're like, tell me the story, Grandpa, about how, uh, about how God saved our people from slavery. And he says, okay, sit down. There was plagues. There was this uh, large rescue. And then our backs were against the wall. And God split the sea in two so we could go across on dry land. This is a story that was an identifying story for these people. In every family... Like I just talked about, every family has these stories. And I think we can make the logical leap that every faith family has these stories. Every church family has these stories. And since my arrival, I have heard story after story. And I'm sure over my time here, I'll continue to hear story after story of how God has been faithful to us. 
how God has been faithful to us, both individually as we've seen people walk through stuff and then corporately. Uh, I remember hearing about uh, walking through the purchase of this property and how there was some back and forth, and it was like, I don't know if we're going to be able to come to an agreement on this. And then, uh, and then God worked it out, and we, like, we're, this, is, this is our property now. I mean, it's the bank's property, but it's our, it's our property now. Um, this is, we get to carve out this space to be a holy space in Vermilion County. I've heard stories about God being present through some really just unimaginable pain and suffering that, that we as connection and individuals of connection have had to experience. I've heard stories about uh, vibrant worship. I've heard stories about beautiful testimonies. I've heard stories about God moving and working. And it's been so encouraging to see that God has been faithful. And this is why it was really sweet. Uh, my first Sunday here, we looked back, uh, we used Psalm 124, and we looked back and, and said, if the Lord had not been on our side, let Israel now say, let connection now say, if it hadn't been God who was on our side, uh, we would have never gotten through these things. Some of these are really, really big ways of God showing up, of like, this is impossible. And some of them are little ways of God showing up. Of, um, uh, of going, I used to think this, and God's been slowly working on my heart and my life, and now I think this. Um, I remember there was someone on the, the, the search team that Amanda, even from like interview to interview, we saw God working in their life, and it was so encouraging. Some big, some small, none insignificant. It can be really easy for us and for our identity to be wrapped up in how God has worked. And I think in this moment, this is an effort to be a really reassuring thing for God's people and for us today. To look back and go, this is the Lord saying something to you this morning. And if you will, look back with me on what God has done. And in essence, like I said, laying out God's resume gives us all the more reason to trust in him. If God was with us through, uh, through that diagnosis, guess what? God's going to be with us in the future. If God was with us through that parenting uh, fail, God is going to be with us in the future. If God was with us through that job transition, God is going to be with us in the future. And so I feel like we've done it a lot. But Amanda and I were having a conversation last night about the, the type of church that we want to be a part of. And I want to be a part of church that is constantly remembering God's faithfulness. Because the more that we look back and remember God's faithfulness, that's going to be the thing that propels us on to, to future obedience and future trusting God's faithfulness. And so, uh, it, yeah, sure, there's so many times we can repeat uh, what God's done, but I don't want us to pull up shy of that this morning. Because this is a God who made a way in the seas. The God who has done what he said he was going to do time and time again. And this is how God is identifying himself this morning. There is immense comfort in remembering who God is, especially on the pre pre precipice of God doing a new thing.
So then I ask the questions, who are we? What are the identifying stories of God's faithfulness, of God working, of God moving, uh, of God showing up in, in large or, or small, profound ways? What are the stories that when we gather, we, we go, remember what God did? And I want us to look at this uh, both as individuals. So maybe it's your family's life that God showed up in a really profound way. Or maybe it's you're remembering something that corporately you're like, I didn't know how we were going to get through this. Or I didn't know how we were going to solve this. Or uh, I remember way back when we were first getting planted, there was this problem and God overcame it. Uh, I don't know what it is for you, but I, I want us to take, a, take some time to pause this morning and remember those things. And we're going to receive some invitations after we remember this, but here's what I want this uh, remembrance to look like. Um, you guys all got note cards coming in um, and pens. If you didn't get note cards, uh, look around because we passed out multiple to, to everyone. So here's what I want you to do. Don't burn them. Here's, well, Jordan will help get you more if you run out. But uh, don't. we're going to do note cards with something right now, and then we'll need a couple for note cards for something here in a little bit. But here's what I want us to do. Uh, Pastor Ben's going to lead us in another song. And it's all about God's goodness, God's faithfulness, how he's been with us. Uh, and so I, I told him this morning, I don't want this to be purely a song of reflection. I want us to engage in worship through it. But I want part of that worship engagement to be just writing down on that note card, uh, what is a way that you have seen or experienced God's faithfulness? And maybe, uh, maybe like I said, maybe it's really small, and you're like, God, I just feel his presence every morning when I drive to work in the car, and it's sweet, and it's good, and it's holy, and it's right. Maybe that's it. Or maybe it's a really profound way where you're like, uh, he healed me from X, Y, or Z. I don't know what it is for you. Or like I said, maybe it's corporate. Maybe it's something that God has done to or for connection corporately. Uh, but I want you to think about how has God been faithful. Take a note card, take new, two note cards, write three things on one note card. I don't care how you do it. Um, but take the first few moments of this song and uh, write those things down on the card. And then when you're ready, uh, I've got tape up here. Um, this is pretty loosey-goosey instruction, so you can make a loop of tape and tape it on the back. You can just stick a piece of tape on the top. But I want us to create some sort of mosaic of how God has been faithful. That we can look back and say, God did it. God has done it. And it's through his faithfulness that we can now look back, just like the people of Israel, looking back on the Exodus story. Just like the people of Israel where it had become part of their identity. I want us to be able to look back and say, God has done it. So, uh, take a few moments. Write it down. When you're ready, uh, come tape it on here. So you have it, more than will fit on a poster board, ways that God has been faithful. And I love that there's, uh, I won't read them out loud right now, but I love that there is uh, like large chunks of text on here. It's not like job or marriage or I, uh, but that you you felt enough to cultivate inside your soul that God had been working with and in and through you that there was yeah this is beautiful I love it and so and so God's inviting us into this new thing and he says uh, remember who I am remember who I am that's what we just talked about out of Isaiah 43 
And then uh, in the process of saying, remember who I am, uh, he goes on to say this in verse, uh, pick up with me in verse 18. He says, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See now I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Which is incredibly confusing. <laughs> he says, uh, thus says the Lord, uh, this is what he says, the one that made a way through the wilderness, the one that did all of these incredible things. He parted away through the mighty waters. He, he let us escape from the, the captivity in Egypt. Then he goes on to say, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. And I, I found personally that this can be a really weird tension to live in. That God has been faithful. He's been good. It's been uh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blesses the man that takes refuge in him. God has been good and it's been sweet to walk through life with him. And then simultaneously, this invitation from the God of all creation to say, forget it all. Forget the former things that we just talked about two verses ago and don't dwell on it. And you're left in this like weird limbo uh, and it's head scratchy. But I don't think the ask from God is to completely disregard the past. I don't think the ask from God here is, you see all this? Throw it out. We don't need it anymore. No. I think the ask from God is to say, remember who I am. Don't just dwell on what I do. Because God is good. God is loving. God is gracious. God is so many things. All of those attributes that we know when we talk about. God is all of those things. And he says, the relationship that I'm inviting you into is far greater than the things that I can do for you. It's far greater than that. And so take it for what it is. Yes, bask in my faithfulness. Take it in and dwell in it. Say, God is good. And then the invitation is simultaneously, but don't make those things an idol. Don't make it the definition of your faith. It's fine to make it a milestone, but don't make it the defining feature. Because as we follow God, he is constantly going to be redeeming. He's constantly going to be working. He's constantly going to be doing a new thing. He's always up to something. And this isn't out of the blue either. This is totally in character with who God is, God doing new things. This is the God that took chaos of nothingness and from his very breath, breathed everything into existence, spoke, and it came into existence. He did a new thing. This is a God that took people who were well, well past childbearing years and said, I'm going to make you a, a, a nation that I bless the whole world through. And they're like, hold up, to make us a nation, you got to give us kids. And hold up, we can't have kids. We are ancient. And God goes, I'm doing a new thing. Gives Abraham and Sarah 
kids. Spread out and multiply. He does a new thing. This is the God that we just talked about. Took the the yoke of slavery off the Israelites and, and gave them freedom to go into his promise. He did a new thing. This is the God that even after uh, wilderness wandering, disobedience to God, said, I'm going to, through your line, I'm going to do a new thing. This messianic promise that we have here. I'm going to send the Messiah. I'm going to send the Savior. This is the God that, that took things and people that were dead and brought them back to life. Both, both spiritually and physically. God is doing a new thing. And this is the God that is dwelling inside of each and every one of us that have surrendered and yielded our lives to him. This is what Paul talks about in 2 Corinthians. He says, if anyone is in Christ, uh, what does it say? Does anybody know? He is a new creation. God has done a new thing in us, And it can be so easy for us to relegate this new thing to this some big miraculous work that we talked about that, God, I need you to do a new thing. I want this. I want, I want to move ahead to what you're calling me into. I want to not uh, dwell on the past, but I want the best for what you have for me right now. I want that new thing. So uh, help me get a new job or fix my marriage or help me get out of debt or give me the desires of my heart. And I'm sure, I just do believe it, that some of those things are new things that God is stirring in your soul. But I want us this morning to expand our definition of what that new thing is. You see, the Christian life isn't just a one-time proposition of surrender and following. It's a continual thing. Until we die or the Lord returns, God is constantly, 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 always, going to be doing new things if you will let him. This is what we call the process of sanctification. That means that, that he, he might be inviting you to transform your life from the inside out. He might be saying, uh, okay, I, there's all those external new things, but maybe the new thing that we're being invited into this morning is that you are terrible at showing mercy to other people. And God's going to, through this process, as you surrender to him, he's going to transform just a small area of your life that you go, now God has taught me how to show mercy. Maybe it's your self-control. Maybe he says you have, you have not beaten your body into submission with self-control or your spending habits or stuff like that. And God's saying, I want that area of your life to honor me. I want it to reflect my goodness for a dying and hurting world to see. Maybe it's how you trust him. Maybe it's how you show compassion to others. Maybe it's how you engage in justice. Whatever it is, there are tons of areas that are undone in all of our lives. And God this morning, very clearly this morning, is inviting us to say these were good. These were good and there were holy moments. I really, I'm regretting that I threw it on the floor. I was just trying to make it. I, don't, I feel like I didn't, I didn't uh, you guys trusted me with really holy moments. And please accept my apology. I was just trying to make a point, but I don't like that I did that. Um, these were holy and good moments. And God's saying, you think that's good? 
Imagine how much more I have for you. This is the quote. I've said it a thousand times recently. This is the Augustine quote. If these are the beauties afforded to sinful men, how much more does God have in store for those who love him? This is good, but this is just a taste of how good it could be. This is what Paul talks about where he says, right now we're looking through a glass and it's dim and it's foggy and it's confusing, but there's going to be in us something that's this eternal, beautiful, holy and right thing. So if you thought this was good, God's doing a new thing. And it's not better, but it's more. It's more of God and it's more of his presence and it's more of his love and it's more of his goodness and that's the invitation that we are receiving today. He's going to do a new thing and it's going to be constant. If you'll let him for the rest of your life, it's going to be constant. But today we're going to receive the invitation for it. Because whatever this new thing, maybe you're already beginning to feel pricks from the Holy Spirit of, go, of going, this area of your life does not reflect me. Maybe it's external and how you go and love and serve your neighbor or engage with God's mission of redemption. Maybe it's internal to say there's some stuff undone in your life that I'm wanting to work on right now. But whatever it is, God's inviting you to say, uh, God, I surrender that area of my life to you. Work in it. Change it. It's going to hurt. It's going to stink. It's going to be ugly for a little bit but I'm I'm inviting you to do a new thing in that area of my life. But like I said, I don't want this to stop at this month because uh, for the rest of your life of following God, he's going to prick and pry in those areas of your life and then you're going to surrender and submit and say, God, I'm yielding this portion of my life to you. He's going to work and it's going to be beautiful and a year later you're going to look back and go, that's incredible, that's God really did a work in this area of my life. Uh, And then guess what? You're going to start the process over again with a new area of your life. And slowly but surely, your life is going to be transformed to look like the image of Jesus for hurting in a broken world to see. And here's what I love. And on that new thing that he's doing, Matt, can you throw the scripture back up there? The last one we did. On that new thing, there, there is no bounds, okay? He says... I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. You see, by definition, these things are impossibilities. They're things that we cannot fathom, that cannot happen in the natural world. Uh, but, uh, but God is saying, don't worry about that stuff. Don't worry about the bounds that you're putting on yourself or your life or your situation. Because I'm doing a new thing. It says, I'm making a way in the wilderness. By definition, I mean, Israel would have had just a keen awareness of what the wilderness looked like because the wilderness years were the wandering years. They were the years where they just kind of wandered out in the desert aimlessly because they weren't able to enter the promised land yet because of their disobedience. So for there to be a way or a path in the wilderness is just incomprehensible. There is no way in the wilderness. The wilderness is wandering. But God's saying, I don't care if the wilderness was wandering. I'm going to make a way. Then streams in the wasteland. The wasteland gives us this picture of desolation and and nothingness and no life teeming up. Uh, But God's saying, I'm going to make streams in the wasteland. Uh, there's, other, uh, there's other translations that say streams in the desert. So like r- rushing, abundant life, teeming with life, water flowing through the middle of the desert. Those things don't happen. But God's saying, I'm not bound by what you think can or can't happen. 
I'm the God of all creation, and I'm inviting you into something new. I'm inviting you into something new. So maybe it's big. Maybe it's small. Maybe it's external. Maybe it's internal. But God this morning is saying, I want more of you. He's saying that to each of us as individuals. I want more of you. He's saying that to us as Connection Church. I want more of you. He's saying that to all of us, that I want more of you. I'm doing a new thing. This is no one-time surrender thing where, like, this morning, God does it all, but we're going to surrender some of ourselves this morning. Uh, We're going to say, God, take that area of my life that I deeply identify with, that you did the good and the holy things, and and then go do something incredible in my life. I'm just trusting myself to you. Your life you're signing up for is one of continual growth, continual surrender, continual transformation, of going, okay, now that area reflects Jesus a little bit more in my life. Let's, let's turn the corner and move on to the next one. I'm doing a new thing. And this new thing, I want to be super clear. This new thing is not, uh, is not predicated on me. It's not predicated on uh, this sermon series. It's not predicated on a month of intentional prayer. Uh, God is saying, I'm doing a new thing, and, and will, you, will you receive the invitation to, to join in with what I'm doing? And I just, I believe that we can get to the end of this month even, even after four weeks of going, God, we're surrendering to you, and we're going to begin to fill up a new board with testimonies of seeing how God has transformed and worked and moved us. And then we'll get to the end of this year and we'll be able to celebrate, oh, here's how God has worked and transformed and moved us in even more ways. And then we'll begin next year and we'll go, God is continually transformed and moving and working in our lives. So you guys have more cards. If you don't, we'll get you some somehow. What is it that God is cultivating in your soul? What are the things that are being pricked and prodded even this morning, or maybe because I know how our God works. Maybe you came into this morning with this deep sense of, you had no clue where we were headed, but you were like, uh, okay, clearly God is moving and working, and I'm feeling some, uh, I'm feeling some uh, prodding on this area of my life, or uh, my finances are in shambles, or my prayer life just feels dry and crusty. Uh, what are the areas of your life where you're like, I just need God to do a new thing? Maybe you're really quick-tempered with your kids. Maybe you're really quick-tempered with your coworkers. Maybe you have a family member that you're just trusting that God will move in their life in a powerful way and that he'll draw them unto himself. What area of your life uh, might God be cultivating? And then what about our faith community? What about our, our church family? What, God, what might God be doing in our lives corporately? What would it mean to see the presence of God refresh and restore these areas of your life? And so in the same way that we built a mosaic to God's faithfulness, we're going to build a mosaic of, of uh, expectation. To say, God, we hear you this morning loud and clear that you want our hearts, you want our lives, you want us to surrender, and we're trusting in you for that. Lord, we're looking on the past that you were faithful, 
And we're trusting that that faithfulness is going to propel us into future faithfulness. And so, and so take a few moments, write it down, and then I'm going to invite you in the same way to come up and uh, we'll tape them up together. And I think this is going to be a really beautiful thing of uh, us being able to look back and go, do you remember at the beginning of this year when several people corporately said, man, I just, I really want us to see God work in our lives this way. And then we're able to look back and go, God did it. He did it because he's faithful. We have the evidence of it. So they're going to lead us in this last song. Like I said, uh, take a few moments. This might be a little bit harder, but I'm going to ask you to engage in in it in the same way. And um, yeah, let's see what God does through it. So I want to pray over this. God, we are here and trusting that you're going to speak to us. We trust that you... uh, aren't wanting us to throw out the past, but instead you're wanting us to to let that propel us into your faithfulness moving forward. And so God, we love you. We just ask that you will uh, speak to our hearts and our minds right now. And as a result, Lord, uh, you're just gonna bubble up in new and exciting ways uh, so we can see you working in our lives. God, we trust you with everything that we are. And we give you this time. Receive it as an offering unto you. We ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Just please. It's going to be a beautiful thing. This is what the Lord says, the one that made a way through the sea, a path through the mighty waters, who drew out the chariots and the horses, army and the reinforcements together, they lay there never to rise again, extinguished, snuffed out like a wick. Forget the former things and dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up, do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. So as a church family, we're going to engage in this process together. When you came in today, everyone got one of these. If you didn't grab one, pulling out back by the door. Every day, you'll notice, uh, starting today, uh, points of prayer that we're going to engage with together. And this, it's not magic. It's not like when you get X number of people praying over something, God works. But there is something that is cultivated in us when collectively, today, we say, uh, God, we want you to move in our church and our families and our city. So it's not about, again, some magic spell of conjuring up a work of God, but it's about a transformation deep within us. And so every day, I'm just asking that you'll go down through these, and we'll have one for every day in the month of January. And I'm just going to ask that you go down through these day by day, and we'll pray over these things together. Then here's what I want from you. Uh, As you go home, families, your friends, wherever you go to, this week there's a... uh, something to contemplate, something I want you to meditate on and think over. And then I want you to take it out of your brain and out of your heart. And I want you to let it exit through your mouth to someone else. Uh, Maybe you uh, call a friend and say, can we grab coffee sometime this week? Or can we get lunch? Or you talk about it at lunch or dinner with your family. I don't care what you do. I just want you to talk about it. And then lastly, every week we're going to have something um, that we're going to do together. And this week is really, really easy. 
Think about the totality of your spiritual life, your walk with God. And it can be something related to this. It can be something where you're like, here's just a small habit I can do. I just want you to introduce something new, something new into your spiritual life, into your walk with God. Maybe it is uh, next week I'm going to show up with uh, the first fruits of, of what God has given me. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give an offering. Never engaged in that before. I'm going to do that. Maybe it's I uh, my days do not start off with God, and so I'm going to set my alarm for 10 minutes earlier, and I'm going to spend the first 10 minutes of the day with God. Maybe it's we're going to talk about uh, spiritual things around the dinner table with our kids. All examples. I don't care what you do. Just do something new in your walk with God. Then I'm going to ask you to take a step further. Whatever that new thing is, uh, I would prefer if you do it like this afternoon. Um, but by Wednesday, I want you guys to email me. I stuck it on there. Email me with what that new thing is for you. Say, I woke up 10 minutes early and spent the, uh, the, the time in prayer every morning. I did this. We're not going to beat ourselves up for when we fail at the things we're introducing, uh, but we're going to celebrate the things that God has cultivated in us through those new habits. So email me what your new thing is, and I want to I do something really cool with it, uh, but I need you to email me in order to do something cool with it. So I'm just asking you to engage in that. So I love you guys so much. And I know sometimes I ask the world of you and it's like, what are you doing to me, Jordan? And thank you for engaging with it. But I think it's, I think it's beautiful. I think it's good. I think it's holy. I think it's right. I think we're going to get to the end of this year and we're going to say, God, we want more of whatever that was. So I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to go about the business of kingdom establishment here in Vermilion County. So God, we love you. We're thankful that you're not done that uh, you, uh, even you, who as Jesus was, were put to death, but raised back to life. And that is our hope, Lord, that you're going to take the dead things in this room, the things that are uh, dry and barren and uh, difficult, Lord, and you're going to breathe new life into them. We trust you for these things. We surrender ourselves to that reality. And we want to give you all the glory and the honor and the praise in advance for what you will do. And we do uh, just humbly submit to you and ask all these things in your precious and holy name. Amen. Have a good week, everyone.